It's uh, good to have a new guest, and I've got with me uh, young Mr. Liam Tully. Uh, Liam's a comedian. He's been involved in doing on YouTube, Paybackers. Great sense of humour, very local to us, so it's nice to be able to have him around and have a little chat. Welcome, Liam. Thanks for having me. A few things to have a little chat about, because obviously we are fairly close. We live in the South Emsall, South Kirby area. What got you into the idea of comedy? Um, I start, well, I've wanted to be a comedian since I was about seven, eight year old, when I found a Bernard Manning tape under my dad's bed. At seven, eight years old? A, a cassette, a cassette tape. That's how old I am. Oh. Um, so I put that on and listened to that, and I used to keep listening to it and mime to it, and then I'd start repeating it. And I, I once went into a living room with my dad and my grandma in it, and I said, there were a Bernard Manning joke that he said to a guy in the audience, you've been using that wash and go, haven't you? You've washed it and your hair's fucking gone. And I, my dad's bald, so I went into the living room and I went and said that to my dad in front of like my grandma who was about 80. So I went up to my dad, you've been using that wash and go shampoo, you've washed it and your fucking hair's gone. And uh, it didn't go down too well. He knew what I'd been listening to then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he hid it again. Uh, I found it again and I took it to school. And, and me and my mates used to listen to it at school. Um, and, and obviously like at eight, nine, you don't, you don't know that it's racist or whatever, you know, stuff like that. No. You're just no. thinking, it's a bloke swearing, do you know what I mean? So you repeat stuff like that. And then from that, we we used to go to Blackpool a lot and we'd go to work in men's clubs and I'd see comedians in there, sort of similar to Bernard Manning. So I always grew up around that and I wanted to do that. But the first proper comedian that I saw who who I know of, it, it, like Lee Evans, I saw Oh, him. so much energy from yeah, that bloke. I saw, like, for me, I only knew comedians who did, like, racist jokes and stuff like that. And, uh, like, old-fashioned kind of jokes. But the Lee Evans were the first sort of alternative comedian that I saw yeah. on TV when I was about 13, 14. His style of uh, comedy is very self-defacing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, for me, growing up, I always just assumed that it was... You could only be a comedian in a working men's club, sort of thing. So that's what I wanted to do. And then I realised, when I, when I saw Lee Evans... I noticed they were a bit bigger than that. And that's when I started getting into people like Billy Conley and stuff like that. And then it weren't until, I think I was 20, 24, 25, when I did my first gig. I read Peter Kay's book and I did it after reading that. Because he had a similar upbringing to me, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So I thought, because you don't, you, you don't assume that you can do something like that, comedy. You just think, you, someone from a small village can't do. But then when I read Peter Kay's book, he's grown up like me. He very much talks about all his experiences as growing up. Yeah. Things that were very simple, but he's reminding you of them all. Yeah. And then yeah. you look back and think, well, that was stupid. <laughs> and that and that's why you laugh, possibly. Yeah, yeah. But I just, when I read it, I sort of thought, well, that that's like sort of my background. He grew up in working men's clubs in Blackpool and Bolton and stuff like that. And he went like with his dad. And I grew up in working men's clubs. So I've got that sense of humour as well, if you know what I mean. And that's when I sort of realised that you can do it. And it's I, and quite sad how working men's clubs have really died out a yeah, lot. Yeah, they now, have, yeah, they? yeah. Society's totally changed for all of us. Yeah, it's completely so different. So what sort of venues do you think are going to be left now for comedians? Well, a lot of, a lot of big cities have, already, have got comedy clubs that are just run as comedy clubs. So they, they don't have overnights on, it's just comedy nights. And that's how they... There's a like there's a comedy circuit. So in London, Liverpool, Leeds, Manchester. Got like Liverpool there's about ten clubs. Manchester there's about twenty. Um London obviously it's bigger. But they use other venues as well. 
So there's like, actually quite a lot of these comedy clubs throughout. Yeah, yeah. There's because um, there's chains as well. Like there's there's one called it used to be called Jonglers. They catered more for stag and end parties and birthday parties. So it was just like you book that room and there's a comedy show on, but people aren't really interested in that. But a lot of comedians did it because it's like 300, 400 quid for 20 minutes work. That's that's how they earn their money. They didn't care if they were listening or not. Something I've always wanted to. Uh... Find out. Obviously, as a comedian, some people go there deliberately to heckle. Do you have your answers ready, or is that something that you you fear, or is that something that you welcome? I, I don't like it. I, I, I don't prepare for it. It's just because mo mainly I don't really get heckled, to be honest. Because I'm not sort of abusing people. Do you know ah, I mean? right. So Do I they don't only usually heckle when they're being abused when they're talking about it. The... You, you usually get. Heckled if you if you're giving like audience abuse or some sort of banter or if you're really shit. I wouldn't say I'm brilliant, but I'm not like shit enough to get like heckled off stage really. But I don't really do audience participation really, so I, I just get on with what I'm doing. If someone shouts out, I try and ignore it and just carry on. Because if you if you start if I'm not good at shouting back, do you know what I mean? Thinking on my feet and shouting something clever back. So if I get involved with it. I'm just inviting everyone else to start having yeah. a pop. I saw a really good heckling re response recently when I saw uh, someone shouted something to the comedian and he says, that woman that you have there, I bet she's your second wife, isn't she? He said, yeah. He says, well, she wouldn't be my first choice either. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, that's about as good as I get. Yeah. All, my, all if, my jokes are all granddad jokes. If I said something like that, I'd probably think, I'd be too scared of getting my head kicked in. <laughs> <laughs> so I just I just try and ignore anything that gets shouted out. Yeah. So the most like you might get someone coughing or sneezing. That's that's about the best I can handle. You mentioned about the wash and go joke earlier on. Yeah. Well, you look as though you've done the wash and go. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Because obviously you don't have you sport a, bo a, a dome. <laughs> yeah, say. I've lost all my. Do you ever wear but, wigs or anything like that when you're on? No, no? I wouldn't dare. Do you yeah. ever, but you... I get a lot of material from being bald, really. Do you? Yeah. So like, well, not material. I can just talk about it. It's something to talk about different in it. So, but I have had people coming up to me thinking that I've been ill as well. So <laughs> oh, it's like, yeah. But yeah. So uh, I don't know. Sometimes I don't know if they're being sympathetic towards me or they like me as a comedian. They might just think that oh, this lad's dying or something. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, is it some sort of? Make a wish foundation, is he just doing stand up as that? <laughs> and they're letting him out for a day from hospital, but yeah, it's uh, but I do talk about it on stage, you can't not yeah. talk about it. Is it something that you want to keep doing full time? Yeah, definitely. I'd, I'd, I'd go back, oh. back to it. Obviously, for the future, then, are you wanting to stay with comedy? Uh, what do you, do you do? You have another job? Yeah, well, at the minute, I work in uh, a care home um, and I do that part time. All right, but I would. Once everything starts opening back up again, I'll, I'll get back to doing stand-up again. Yeah. Before, I was doing it like four or five times a week. Four or five times a week? Yeah. What sort uh, of venues? Just comedy clubs, that, like the clubs that I've just been mentioning yeah. before, like the chain clubs and stuff like that. Um, but obviously, you're travelling around, around a lot. Sometimes you've got to do a 10-minute spot to get a 20-minute spot. You travel to Liverpool, you're talking 30 or 40 quid on a train. You might have to stay overnight, so you, you, it's another 30 quid. You're talking 60, 70 quid just to do 10 minutes in hope that you can get a 20-minute spot for some money. Do you know what I mean? So it, it, you've got to have money to do it. It's not something that you can just go into and start making money straight away. Does your sense of humour change 
Mine has. What do you mean since I started? Yeah, I mean, obviously, some some things that we find funny now that, well, I suppose I'm just getting old, but I, I find most things funny. But obviously, because it's part of what you do, do you read a lot of material and think, I find that funny and develop on it? Or do you find that literally you'll change your mind? My humour has changed since I started. Like I said, when I, when I was a kid listening to Bernard Manning and stuff like that, and obviously I grew up and then you learn about racism and stuff like that. But as, as well as that, Bernard Manning's good at telling jokes, just normal jokes. Without it, He could have been a brilliant comedian. Without all that, he would have been fine. And I sort of grew up around Chubby Brown and watching stuff like that. I still, if it, I can watch it now, but it's not the comedy that's changed, it's the world that's changed, really. Yeah. So it's like, but he, he still makes a living out of that, he's still got an audience for that, so. But I, I couldn't do that. And there are jokes that I've told when I first started that I won't tell now. I'm just glad they've never been recorded. Oh. <laughs> not racist or stuff like that, but I told her... I don't think Chubby Brown really has any limits on what he does, does he? Not really. He'll talk about... I think their idea is they'll take the piss out of anyone. Yeah. Do you know It's not just... It's not they, about... They're opposite to you because they're trying to attract that yeah. media fight with the, the audience. But there are black people and, and Asian people who do watch Chubby Brown who, and they're fine with it and I suppose that's that's up to them, isn't it? If, if they can take it as a joke, yeah. that's, that's Well, fair. funny enough, we're, we're all on one part of an extreme. Like, for me, I, I suffer from ageism. People will look at you as soon as you go over 60 and they don't want to get you involved anymore. Yeah. So. So literally talking about old people smelling of piss. <laughs> I, I naturally think I'm now on that spectrum. I don't smell of piss, but it's easy to throw that at me. Yeah. You know, we all have something that we can, that we could either take personally or just laugh at. Well, I've, like I say, I've got material about being bald and I'm on, a, I'm on some dating sites and there are some women that they're putting the profile, sorry, no bald people. No baldies? <laughs> no baldies, which that's fair enough. If that's what they, they if they want some of hair, that's fine. But uh, <laughs> it's like... Would you be tempted to say yes, put a wig on, <laughs> take some photographs, and then, and then turn up with a, a really outlandish wig? Well, there are like apps now that you can put hair on yourself, can't you? Yeah. So I, I could set a profile up with like, set me up with hair, see how see the difference between me with air and me. Yeah, and could you not then go to the date going for the sympathy, saying about the illness thing? Well, yeah. And saying I, I, that you've got some final I don't think I'm like faking illness or whatever, but I could put it on with air, get to know someone, like, see if we get on, and then if yeah. we get on, sort of just say, right, well... Uh, I've, I've got, got a, a surprise for uh, you. There's something happened and all my hairs fell out. Do you still like yeah. it? But, yeah, yeah I, could, I might actually do that. I might set a dating profile with air, see how... Yeah, see the difference. <laughs> see how many messages I get. I wonder if there's a there's probably a name for people that have got a phobia against baldness. Well, one there was one person, she put, um, what was it now? I've got a fear of bald men. I don't mind hairy men. Like she likes yeah. hairy chests and stuff like that. But she put, I've got a fear of bald men. So I don't know. I don't know what fear is. I don't know. Yeah. But people have some strange fears, don't they? Like baldophobia. Yeah, there were one. I can't like on this morning. There were a bloke who had a a fear of red sauce. Like, well, don't use red sauce. No. It's like I've actually got a phobia. I've got a thing called coprophobia. You'll that? you'll not know what that is, but believe it or not, it's a fear of excrement. Right. I you know, know when 
people talk about, oh, I've got shit all over my fingers. I'm the first one to go, oh, no, no. Coprophobia is, I, I, I just don't like anything to do with excrement and stuff like that. Right, yeah. So uh, so I, I can I can jump in on that one. Yeah, but the, like there are some strange fears. Like, like do you, you know the Speakmans? Them will cure you. Like if you the Speakmans, they like to the cure you for the cure for uh, can I say it? The cure your phobias. All right. Um, and they're on they're on TV a lot, but the, they had one woman on. She had a fear of frogs, and I'm like, how often are you coming into contact with a frog? Yeah. I've I've not seen a frog since I'm about ten year old, and that were at a frog pond. <laughs> so I'm not walking into Asda and seeing a frog. With me, they probably just stick my head in a bucket of shit and say, "There, get used to <laughs> yeah. that." But what they do is they talk about your childhood and stuff to see to find out where it comes from, what's triggered it. Yeah. So I'd like to get that woman on that and just see what's triggered this bald fear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're going to interview you and try and cure you of this bald phobia. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get the Speakmans in, and you're going to like me. I wonder if there's any uh, resemblance with the the male appendage. And baldness, perhaps, you know, some sort of like fear that something's too big for them. Mm, maybe. <laughs> if he's got a bald head, that means he's got a big, you know, something that's uh, going to cause him pain and difficulties. <laughs> yeah, maybe she's had a bad, uh, an experience with a bald guy who's, yeah. Well endowed. Well, she'd be probably meeting another one, wouldn't she? <laughs> the, the, the guy who plays Max Brann in EastEnders, he's bald, but he's ginger as well, if that... If, yeah. that's, if that makes yeah. sense, he has got a bit of hair. But he, he, I don't know if you're joking, but he wanted to make it like an hate crime if you say something bad about ginger people. A hate crime? Yeah, I think you were joking, but um, I'd like that for bald people as well. That should, it should be an hate crime. Yeah. If somebody, that's discrimination. That saying you don't, you've got, you don't want to date a bald person. Yeah. I, you couldn't. If, if somebody went on a dating site and put sorry, no black people. Yeah. Or no or Chinese people or whatever. Did. That's. Um, in fact, they uh, they grieving for uh, for the girl in uh, in, in London. London yeah. Now, that was that was quite awful mm. because as they were going through a grieving process and the police were stopping them, when there was the Black Lives Matter marches, yeah. no, not a problem. You crack on. We we won't do any involvement whatsoever. So sometimes the effect of these racisms can be counterproductive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, yeah, if the police had have done that to the, the Black Lives Matter, it'd have been a difficult. Oh, of course it would. It'd have been a, that have caused a riot. But yeah. yeah, I think we've all got reasoning behind us to know that prejudice works very strongly against the prejudiced in some instances, but yeah, not yeah. for others. I mean, we talk about the gingers. There was one thing I saw that is like a cartoon of the Queen with a colour chart. You know, when yeah, she was, with, with Harry yeah, and Meghan, yeah. Yeah, and <laughs> there was a, a ginger scale, and it, the question whether it was going to be uh, where on the scale with gingers, uh, that was part of the uh, don't wants as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think Prince Harry takes after his uh, real dad with his hair, doesn't he? Yeah, but he's, a, he's an awesome guy, though, isn't he? He's a real man's man, I think. Yeah, I don't mind Prince Harry. Um, I, know, I know he's uh, he's going to get a lot of flack, and I, you don't know whether... A lot of it is all media hype or whatever, but good luck to him. He just seems like a normal, decent bloke. Yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't comment because, I, like I said, I don't know him. I don't know how they live. Mm. I, I don't know what happens in their family. But from what I've seen, they, they seem like decent people. It's not... Would you joke uh, against the uh, royal family at all? Not. It's not something that I talk about, to be honest. In, yeah. in, I just talk about 
my life, really. Sounds like you're the sort of person that doesn't really want to offend anybody. I don't go out specifically to upset people and offend people. I have had people coming up to me saying that they have been offended. Oh, goodness. Things. Do they? But I don't know how because it's what I'm talking That I'm talking about me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I once told a joke. It was about um, uh, last, not last year, year before I got a bladder tumour. And I was talking about um, getting treatment for that. And it, was, it involved a camera going down my penis. Yeah. And the doctor said to me something like, "Don't worry, it's not a, it's not thick. It's the width of a pencil." And, that, <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, that is quite thick." It is. Have you got anything like the width of spaghetti? So <laughs> I love that. But he, uh, I was talking about stuff like that, and I was talking about yeah. getting my prostate checked and other bits and things yeah. like that. And it led to a joke. And someone come up to me and, and like, "Oh, it's disgusting," and I was talking about stuff like that. Oh well. That's what happened. That's, People that's, can be offended, it's yeah. weird. And then uh, I told a joke about the one of my mates um, making jokes about like being bald and cancer and stuff like that. And that's just banter between us, really, do you know what I mean? And, it's, and like, that happened to me. They're taking the piss out of me and you're offended. It should be me that's offended, but an, an audience yeah. member's offended on my behalf. If that makes sense. It's not an easy thing to make people laugh then, is it? No, not really. But like I say, I, I only talk about my life, so if people get offended by that, it, it's I don't know, I don't understand why, yeah. if you know what I mean. Do you think of things when something happens and think, oh, that would be great material to talk about when I do my next... Yeah, well, I, I make notes on my phone. That's what I do. Um, if I just sit down and say I'm going to write, some stand-up, I can't do it, I can't concentrate, I'll watch YouTube or whatever, but I'll wake up at like two in the morning and some, like an idea will come to me and I think, oh, I'll make a note of that. But then when I wake up the next day, I don't know what it means because I've just made like a yeah. brief note. So now I, if I wake up, I have to like write a paragraph of like what it means. Like the other night, I woke up, I watched a programme called um, A Very British Brothel. I don't know if you've seen that. It's like a documentary in yeah. a brothel in... Uh, Sheffield and there's a guy in it he likes to go to this brothel and he likes to get in a bath full of custard and have sex in this bath custard like and uh, the drains got blocked because they're all custard in the bath <laughs> and that the the escort or whatever she was had to pay for it out of her money to get the drains unblocked I woke up with that abstract almost and I thought I wanted to talk about that on stage so I put a note in my phone and it just said sex custard yeah. And like four or five days later, I forgot what it meant. So I'm looking at my notes and I'll just get through that and it's just said sex custard. And I'm thinking, I wonder if she's going to put that on a tax return. <laughs> yeah. I had to buy some extra bleach for the custard that got blocked in my toilet. Yeah. Well, I don't know how they explained it to the, the people who come out and unblocked it all. Yeah. Because they, uh, they filmed it doing it and they come to this brothel and they had to like get all drains up and wash it all away. You know? It's like, how do you explain like, yeah. a gallon of custard down your drains? Yeah. yeah. But there were oh it, and oh that's the one as well. The, the same guy, he liked getting in. It were custard and uh, tuna. Custard and custard tuna. Custard and tuna or mackerel, something like that. And that's what blocked it all because that went down no. the plug, all the bath and all the fish. So but the, oh, the smell that, that fish. doesn't sound like a really good night to be honest to me. It's not my idea. Getting in a bath with custard and tuna. Yeah. Hey, so going on the idea of talking about Tinder. Yeah, so, have you had any successes on Tinder? Not really. Yeah. Do you get a laugh by going and meeting people? Or I've, not, I've, I've only met one person from it. Um, but I get most of my, my material from like being rejected. 
Mm. So uh, <laughs> I have noticed that most of my, there's like 20 minutes on Tinder and plenty of fish material. And I'm thinking, why am I wasting my life on this? Just, but then I think well, it's more comedy. I'm, I'm worried meeting a girl and then I've run out of material. Because <laughs> if I meet someone, I've got to come off it. Yeah. So yeah. I suppose as you go through your life, you'll, you'll meet people that you'll share a sense of humour with, you'll find something in common, and yeah. you will do. Well, when I first started stand-up, I was in a relationship, and I used to talk about that on stage. But then when we split up, I, I talked about splitting up. Ah, yes. But because I just, like, I had about 15 minutes on breaking up with someone. and then But I found that I was still talking about it four or five years later because it was getting laughs. And then I thought, I need to stop talking about this. Because <laughs> it's, it's fucking years ago. Yeah. It's like, but, but then I did make a joke of it. I'd talk about it as if it had only just happened. But you do something successful, you should keep doing it. Yeah, but I, it was like I was talking about it like for five years and thinking, and then I'm like... It, 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 You'll get known as the lad who got done <laughs> yeah, for the rest I of thought, your career. I did make a joke of it once, because I, I was talking about it as if, as if it had just happened on stage. And then right at the end, I, I just said, well, it, it was five years ago, but I still get a laugh from it. So I'll, I'll keep it in. And they, they, felt, then, then they laugh about that. But I did, when we split up, I, you know Just Eat, where you can order food? Yes. I, I still had, we had a joint account on that, but I forgot. And I used to order food all the time. And, but I didn't realise she was paying for it. <laughs> so for a couple of years, she was paying for my takeaways. And I, and I, and I was like, yeah, but she might have got the house. I got Indian and Chinese and a Netflix account as well. Yeah, oh, so I, it was worth it for me. A good result. <laughs> yeah. Mind you, there's uh, a lot of other sites like these Grinder and. No, you I, don't, know, I don't use Grinder. Yeah, yeah these, I think that's for gay people. It is it for all yeah. these gay people. Again, that's another privileged uh, section of society uh, that, that obviously you can't sort of like uh, prejudice against them. But uh, open relationships and the way that they meet each other, I'm sure there must be a lot of comedy. There's a lot of gay comedians, isn't there? Mm. Yeah, there is. Um, and a lot of gay comedians do, they talk about stuff like Grindr and, and like their experiences on it. And it does, to be honest, I'd probably be more successful on that, what yeah. I've heard from it. Cause, like, <laughs> <laughs> but I, have, I do get men on uh, Tinder sending me like, likes and stuff and plenty of fish. And really? I got a lot of, yeah, um, and a lot of transgender people on Plenty of Fish sending messages. Oh. And I'm thinking like... Um, Where do you stand on that one? But sometimes, um, I mean, for me, people can do it, be who they want, but um, I look at it and you, sometimes you don't even know that they're trans. You wouldn't do be they able have to, to declare? Do you know, like well, I'm going through customs, <laughs> which side are you on? But I wouldn't, if I were out, there were one girl who was on Plenty of Fish, she sent me a message and... I, if I saw her in a club, there's no way I'd know that she was transgender. Or you, like, yeah. she had a big profile and writing all like about her life and everything. And I got through it, and I thought, oh, she's all right. And then right at the end, it said, by the way, I think she'll tell you I'm I'm transgender. But if I didn't know that, if she hadn't written that, I wouldn't have known, and I I'd have probably yeah. met her. Do you know what I mean? Or we might we might have got on, but like I said, yeah. I wouldn't have known that in a club. But there's some, and you do sort of think you're taking the piss. Because there were one, about 60-year-old, um, just a bloke in a wig. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and, he put, and he put something like, looking to meet a young lad, um, I love cock. And <laughs> I, love, I love cock and uh, I make a good brew. 
Oh, well, I might come round for a brew, but I don't think... <laughs> you're gonna, oh. It looked like... Um, do you have Benadol? Oh, yes, of like course. Like Tim Healy in a wig. Yeah. That's, oh, that's what yeah. it was. Fabulous. I mean, like, like I said, be who you want, do what you want. But... I, lo I lo love Tim Healy's sense of humor as well. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, got a fa he's got a face that sort of like you laugh at straight away, don't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is there any, any other comedians that you uh, take a, a big take from? Um, well, I mentioned Peter Kay with his book, but then, well, I met Peter Kay when I did, did you watch a programme called um, Cradle to Grave? Uh, it was Danny Baker wrote it. Can't um, remember it. It was based on his life and Peter Kay played his dad in it and I were an extra in that. And I met Peter Kay on that set and I told him about reading his book and everything. And he, he, he said to me, how many hours a week do you do on stand-up? And at that time I'd only just started. And I was like, well, I write a bit of notes and then I go out and do 10 minutes. And he says, so you're talking like you might do an hour a week? And I says, well, yeah, really. And he went, is this what you want to do for a living? I said, yeah. He says, well, why don't you treat it like a proper job? Yeah. He says, you should be doing 30 hours, 40 hours a week on it. Very good. And good I, advice. And I, and I thought, yeah, he's, I suppose he's got a point. Because he said, it's not just like doing your bit on stage. It's writing all your material. He says, and like, and, and that time, if you've not got an agent, you're doing all your... You're booking gigs yourself, yeah. you're booking hotels, whatever, travel. He said, oh, that counts towards it as well. But he said, you should be spending at least 20, 30 hours writing. It's, if it's a job that. and a career, yeah. it's not down to 10 minutes. The thing that gets me, that with you, it must be a lot about practice, surely, how you deliver yeah, your jokes it, and it, stuff. It's that When you first start, it's all about getting stage time. That's what, But the problem with that is, you're travelling a lot just to do five, 10 minutes, like I say, it's costing you 60, yeah. 70 quid just for the five, ten minutes of material. And then you sort of think, is it worth it? But then eventually, if you get good at it, you get longer, time. longer stay stage time, you get money. You might It might just be expenses, but you're getting paid. And then you might get on to be 30 minutes and like it's 200, 300 quid for 30 minutes. So if you can do that four or five times a week, you're all right. But yeah, they were right when you said that. Um, you should be spending a lot more time on your writing. Being professional. <clears throat> yeah, treat it. if you want to do it as a job, treat it like a job. Yeah. So, and that's, from that, I sort of took that and did that. I'm not saying I do the 30, 40 hours, whatever, yeah. but I, I do a lot more than when I first started. Yeah. It's weird, you know, because I, I really admire, it's just having that self-confidence to go, do you get nervous at all? Yeah, every, oh, every gig. Oh, you've got to get nervous. I, I'm not, I, I get the piss taken out of my, my mates because I don't say anything. You don't say anything? No, like, I'm not the loudest person in our group of mates, if you know what I mean. And I, I listen more than anything else, and then I get ideas from that. But I've always been... I'm not I'm not the loudest person Funny, because you, you'd expect anybody who's a comedian to be, like, the class clown, the one that's oh, always... Oh, definitely, at school, I was a class clown. Uh, I was quiet, but I was, like, the idiot of, of our class. <laughs> there were a few of us, but I was one of them. I'm not, like, if I go out... In a club or whatever, I'm not. You the know one. the life of the soul. The I'm not dancing on tables cracking. or screaming about, and you know what I mean. I'm just mm. sort of laid back and uh, quiet. But yeah, my mates like one of my mates. I said uh, he's meant to be a fucking comedian. He never speaks. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> what's the point of bringing him out? <laughs> yeah, but for me, I don't, I don't, I don't know why I do it. Why I've wanted to do it. Like I said, I've got. I listened to that Bernard Manning tape, and it's gone from that. But. I'm not a big fan of people looking at me. I get nervous yeah, for that. Yeah, strange. For some, yeah. I don't, I don't know 
what that is. But when I get on stage, once I get into it, it's fine. I like it. I'm, I enjoy it. Um, it's funny, you know, because there's a, a difference between the two of us. I have an element of confidence that I enjoy being there and I will go and do anything. But my actual talent is zero. And yet you're the other way around. You, yeah, you yeah. perhaps don't project it, but you have the talent that goes with it. Yeah. I, um, the bit for me, I get nervous before a gig, then I do it and I come off stage. And then by the time you get off stage, your adrenaline's that high. You want to do it again. And I'd, I'd rather have it where I had that adrenaline first, you know, and then just rush out and do it because yeah. I'd be a million times better. But I yeah. can't, I just, before gigs, I'm checking and I'm, I'm Good. really nervous. That adrenaline kicking in. Yeah. But, um, missing that. That might, that might make it better for me doing it, but I, I'd rather have that when I come off stage. Because when I come off stage, I'm like, as though I've like, took a few lines of cocaine. It's like, I want to do it again and just keep going and going, but I can't, obviously. But not that I've ever took cocaine. Yeah. I'm just guessing. Yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. Well, mo well, most people think at my age that by taking a few lines of Viagra. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not that but, I need but that. What I've, there is a saying, in it's called joke coke. Joke That's what they call it when you come off stage and you've got um, that adrenaline rush. All oh, right. It, apparently, it's the same feeling when you take a line of cocaine. That adrenaline, it is like like a buzz. Wow. If you know what yeah, I mean. you're feeling so, that that yeah, good. Yeah. But yeah. That, when everybody laughs at the jokes yeah. and everybody suddenly gets it, and you change their sense of humour yeah. and you've heightened everybody else's mental state, that's what you're after as a comedian. Yeah, yeah. People think it's like a few. Some people think it's glamorous doing it. Like, but it's not because what happens is you come off stage and your adrenaline's that high, it's just you then on your own. You like you go back to your hotel, yeah. but your adrenaline's still is pumping. It? So you're just sat in an hotel room, like I as a kite at like two o'clock in the morning, wow. still buzzing off this gig. Wow. Uh, and then me, I normally like go to Tesco Express and buy loads of Jaffa cakes and Doritos and stuff. And just sit in the hotel yeah. eating that like some... I think they could contribute you being up till two in the morning <laughs> well, yeah, less sugar. It, yeah. But it, it, you do that and then you like get in a shower at four o'clock in the morning and like you cut on a come down and then you're like, I wanna do it again. Wow. You do get addicted to that. Yeah. So I think a lot of the people in uh, artists as well as like comedians and whatever, when they'll go out and they'll get that that massive charge that ability to come down, some of them will probably use drugs. Yeah, they do. And that's where they fall by the side in their lives because they become dependent on those drugs to be able to equalise those highs. Yeah, I think that's what happens with, like, with drugs and alcohol. That's what... Because um, they want that constant buzz. So if they can't gig, they'll yeah. take a, a line of coke or they might have a drink or whatever. And, yeah, that's what... I think that's what caused a lot of problems, especially like with musicians, yeah. comedians, whatever. Oh, they all screw their lives up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know a lot of comedians who, who do smoke and take drugs and stuff, and that's that, it, That's up to them. They talk about it on yeah. stage as well. So oh, yeah. they're not bothered about it. But well, Especially with musicians. They, they all think that it's an absolute necessity, mm. uh, but not on my, uh, not oh, my, yeah, yeah. In my building. Not in your house, yeah. No. But, um, yeah, they talk about it on stage and... They probably do, a lot of them. I mean, like, cannabis, it sort of relaxes you, doesn't it? Mm. But, so, like, cocaine, that gives you that buzz that I suppose they want all the time because they get it on stage. Yeah. So it must be addictive to be able to get that buzz. Mm. You do get addicted to it, but 
it's like like I said when you stop doing it if you've not done it for two weeks or whatever you, you start wanting it again yeah and that's when that's that's how they call it the joke call <laughs> so have you got anything planned is there any gig that you've got booked or are you gonna um, wait until everything opens up and I'll wait till it, I've, I'm getting emails coming in um, about nights that are run like opening back up again yeah um, but we'll just see how it goes because you know you don't know what's going to happen here really when would when it pay to perhaps if you get a couple of comedians who you get on really well with that you click and you enjoy to be able to team up make a show and then do your individual acts and then the equivalent of like a duet a banter uh, as part of it what do you mean on stage and yeah like a duet? I I've never done that but there are comedians who do that but I think that'd that'd work better like as a a podcast or something like that. They do have, I don't know if you've seen it, rap battles. I went to one about two months ago in Leeds. Yeah, well, they do, they do a similar thing in comedy. Um, oh, right. Where they, there's a thing, there's a programme on uh, Comedy Central, I forgot what it's called, but they it's just like two comedians on stage roasting each other. So it, it, it's like similar to a rap battle, but where you, you, you've got to like out-joke each other and, and it's like really brutal. Yeah. There were one oh, very good. There were one comedian, I think, her dad got done for, I think he is in prison for murder, and uh, they brought that up as well. The comedian against her brought yeah. that up, and it's like it's you, you very say what, personal. You say what you want, but but they are like they're all friends, you know, yeah. off stage. So it's like, but the, the main problem you get with that is you have to check with Comedy Central's lawyers that you can use that joke. Oh my goodness! So even though it's about her life and her dad, they have to be covered because her dad might sue Comedy Central. Not that they probably have much of a case, like if he's a convicted murderer, but. You never know these days. I'd like to do something like that. Like, but like I say, I never get involved with audience participation or abusing anyone. Yeah. But I suppose if I sat down and write, if I know who I'm writing about, I could do that. So that's been great. Thank you, Liam. I'm sure we're going to be hearing and seeing a lot more of you in the near future. Liam Tully, comedian and scriptwriter. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks a lot.